this Sunday was just uh, Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know signifying Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, riding into Jerusalem on the tenth day, the day that the Lamb would be brought into wow. their homes. Mm. He stays with them four days and then is crucified. This is Camus, and this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways, all the way down to small everyday things. episode of God is Real, God is Good. Um, this week is our special Easter episode uh, that we're very excited in, to record. Um, so um, yeah, it's Kylie, Camus, Colin, and Josh. Hi. Hi. I'm just going to call you guys the names backwards. That would just be confusing. Like they wouldn't know, but I would know. Yeah. So. But, yeah. Um, so Colin hasn't been on the podcast before, but Josh has. Leave a like if you want Colin to share his testimony. <laughs> <laughs> Comment, message us, email us. We Call will Colin harass him. At, uh, 861-532-2719. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's actually his phone number. Don't call people. <laughs> please, please don't. <laughs> Anyways... Um, and Josh did a couple story times with Josh. Yeah, that's a hearkening that's back to <laughs> Anyways, um, like I said, this is our lovely Easter episode. And so kind of the theme that we came with before was the idea of talking about um, the first Passover. Yeah, and we wanted to talk about how the Passover was prefiguring Christ and pointing to Jesus as the perfect sacrifice and bringing the children of Israel out of bondage so that's what we decided we wanted to talk about this week here whatever and so we asked josh and colin to come talk with us about this none of us are really big super bible scholars but some of us studied so hopefully the lord will bless i'm I'm seeing camus's full page of notes i'm feeling suddenly kind of underprepared so we'll see how this goes (laughs) (laughs) yes all right well we should we just prayed but we should pray again um before we get started Um, I'll pray. Dear Father in heaven, just thank you for this chance to come together to talk about you and the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. Be with us as we talk about how we can see the precursors to this in the Passover and how that was pointed to and fulfilled in Jesus's death and crucifixion. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. So anyway, to start, we're going to read out of Exodus because that's where the first Passover happens. So we're going to read from Exodus 12, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8. So I will do that now. Speaking to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Though your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight." And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. They shall eat the flesh on the night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs you shall eat it. So that was just kind of what I wanted to read to kind of start this. And, you know, I I just wanted to talk about at first, you know, 
why there was even a Passover. Yeah, well, I think it kind of like, definitely this is starting in the middle. It's a good place to start, but it's definitely like starting in the middle because we are, it's the end of like, the people have been in bondage for 400 years um, and slaves in Egypt. And then Moses comes and he's like, these people need to be set free. And Pharaoh's like, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> That's what he said, literal transfer. No. <laughs> um, anyways, and so there's all these plagues. And coming up to the Passover, the this next coming plague is like the threat of losing all the firstborn in mm-hmm. the land of Egypt. First off, right, we have all those plagues coming and befalling, and none of them have touched the Israelites yet, I don't think. No. Like, I know specifically, like, the boils were only to the Egyptians. All of the Egyptians' cattle died, and the Israelites' cattle were just fine. Um, but this one here is, like, he's he's saying all these things, and I guess that's a little later on, but, like, it's for protection of... The, the Israelites of all of these things that they're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's also interesting that in all the previous plagues, there wasn't anything special that the Israelites had to do. It mm-hmm. was just the fact that they were God's people that protected them. But for this last plague, which is obviously the most severe and most drastic, God has them do something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, though, like, I don't know if it, like, directly says it in the bible but couldn't like the egyptians like also like take the opportunity to like or were they not given the chance to protect their firstborn as well well it goes on later in the chapter and it talks about who can celebrate the passover but the first passover was actually different from the rest of the passovers and so i think yeah there was definitely an opportunity for like the mixed multitudes and you know even like the egyptians themselves probably to celebrate this and to come under the fear of god but obviously the egyptians were a stubborn stiff-necked people Mm -hmm. Hmm. but i yeah i definitely think that's interesting that like everything before it's not it's like oh this doesn't affect us this doesn't like we're protected for special people and then all of a sudden like the most serious all of a sudden it's like oh wait what's going on yeah, there's definitely a distinction. And, I mean, it was felt for generations and generations afterwards because, I mean, practicing Jews are still observing this. I mean, even today, like, there's a huge influx to Jerusalem every year during Passover when everyone is called to come back to their ancestral homes to celebrate it. Um, yeah, like, this was this was actually being celebrated the very week that Jesus was crucified. Um, this is, I mean... Um, it was it was a well known thing like when Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist says and he proclaims as Jesus is walking, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world." Mm-hmm. Um, like that was also significant to the old sacrificial system that they used to do a lamb being a sacrifice for many of their stuff, but like specifically a lamb of God to take away sin and to be protection, right? And mm-hmm. the lamb that we later see, like, the blood of that lamb was shed and then applied yeah. to us, much in a similar way as they applied it to their doorposts. Yeah, I love that, like, Jewish culture acknowledged the importance of this event so much that they literally changed their calendar for this. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, like, they would celebrate the, like, beginning of the year and fall after the end of harvest, around October. Um 
but God said, no, I want this to be the first month. This is now the new first month for you because this event, this is so important to you because like it's pointing to Jesus in a way. And so he's like, pay attention. What an interesting <clears throat> way to like bring in the new year. Like it's very like, like it was a celebration, but it's also like solemn celebration of like life and death. <clears throat> but I like what Josh was saying about like the lamb is protection. And like, we definitely see that here. Like, um this lamb's blood was shed to protect these people because like it's very it wasn't just like hypothetical like oh your son will die if you don't do that it was very like your son is gonna die mm-hmm. and like it they had all these signs coming up to that they're like i don't think they were going to be messing around with like oh no, that's were. just that's just a joke or that's just hypothetical or that's just to like test my faith it's like this is gonna happen yeah they were seeing all the egyptians around them being just laid out by all these plagues and stuff. And now I would imagine to find out that one of them might be applicable to you. That's not something you're going to take lightly. Hmm. And well, like there was a lot of preparation going into this that at least I hadn't ever thought about before until like reading this, that on the 10th day is when they're supposed to start preparation for the Passover. That's when they pick out the lamb and they bring it into their house and they take care of it. And for four days, they basically live with this. They grow an attachment to this lamb and it becomes like kind of like a pet to them. And then on the 14th day, they kill it. Huh. Yeah. It's also interesting in a little bit of my research, um, as the lamb is in the house, obviously like everyone's growing an attachment to it, but also like they're, they're examining that lamb mm-hmm. for any flaws or defects to it. So, I mean, this Sunday was just uh, Palm Sunday, mm-hmm. um, and that's you know signifying Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem, uh, riding into Jerusalem on the tenth day, the day that the Lamb would be brought into wow. their homes. Mm. He stays with them four days and then is crucified, um, and then the entire time while he's in there, we can read in just about all four gospel accounts that he's being tested and tried by the Pharisees, trying to find any deceit in him, and they finally. You know, think they get him on a charge of blasphemy, claiming to be God. You know, little did they know. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the, the the typology there, where we're seeing something that's a tradition observed for thousands of years, and then we're seeing that being uh, fulfilled in Christ, just like a shadow or an echo of something to come. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, but like very much like <clears throat> Jesus is this Passover lamb in Exodus, and the way he does it. <clears throat> my throat's all like this today sorry um but the way like he does it is like perfectly to how like the bible like he wasn't a day late he wasn't a day mm-hmm. early it's like that exact mm-hmm. and well i was kind of thinking about it like in the broader sense that like jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was 30 so he labored with the jewish people for like three and a half years and so like almost in a sense for three and a half years they were examining him testing him trying him and he was trying to woo these people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. And then even more so on the very last four, four days. days. Because at that point, the Pharisees had decided to murder him. And they were out for blood at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because like the lamb that they were supposed to take for Passover. Um, does it talk about it here in Exodus 12? Um, but it, I don't know where it talks about it. But it 
it does like talk about like how you know you're supposed to per- pick out a perfect lamb mm-hmm. and it can't just be like oh well this lamb his legs already broken so yeah. might as well kill he's, him he's blind in one eye he's not <laughs> doing too hot anyways uh, he's kind of sickly so yeah. we might as well kill him but no they had to like take the best they couldn't just because mm-hmm. because i could very easily be like okay god you can have my broken car i was gonna get rid of it soon anyways yeah. <laughs> or my broken chicken cow mm-hmm. lamb but it's it's not that. It's actually something that's of value. Yeah, and it's not something that's old and that has been used up. It's something that is young and it has a lot of potential and there's a lot of purity and innocence in it, you know, not even being a full year old. You know, they could pick a lamb that was seven days old up to a year. And so it's something that's young and kind of embodies innocence in a way, mm-hmm. which is really cool when you look at, you know, Jesus committed no sin, he was innocent. Colin, you've been really quiet. Thoughts or just listening? Uh, just listening. But yeah, it does say here in the in the Exodus twelve passage, um, the animal you select must be a one year old male, either a sheep or a goat with no defects. Mm-hmm. And yeah, take special care of the chosen animal until animal until the evening of the fourteenth day of this first month. So I guess I was trying to figure out. Uh, how many days they had this? You, you said they had it for three days. This lamb or young goat in their house. Four, four, four days. Three four days to the fourteenth, and then it's at evening on the fourteenth day. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I see that. Yeah. 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 And there was like no specific time that specifically mentioned that they were killed, but they were typically killed between three and five p.m right before sunset because sunset's when the jewish day ends which is really interesting when you look at and read the account of jesus's crucifixion that he's killed between that time period Mm. so right when the jews would be sacrificing their passover lamb jesus dies as our passover lamb just another thing that's going on around the same time you have the feast of unleavened bread happening in the same week as passover so on the first month uh the 14th day of the first month um, which is the same day that you're eating your Passover lamb, you're cooking it and eating your Passover lamb starts the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, which is to signify when they were going out from Egypt, they were in a hurry and he commanded them just to pick up your stuff and go and they didn't have time to leaven their bread and they were told not to leaven their bread through it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting. um, Verse 15, chapter 12 of Exodus, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. But on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. It's interesting as well here where they're, they're talking about um, removing the leaven from your house and not to be eating the leaven. Um, Jesus uses this as well when he's talking with his disciples on the boat after they've just left for the feeding of the 5,000. Um, they're questioning him about something. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they don't quite understand what he's talking about. They think it's because they didn't bring any food with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see Jesus very familiar with the tradition as well, um, hearkening back to the leaven of the Pharisees. Um, the leaven was to be symbolic of sin. It was, um, you know, they would go around with a little feather and a wooden spoon and would dust off everything in their house to symbolize yeah. removing the leaven from their house, removing the sin. Mm. Which is so cool because... They're coming out of Egypt, which is a land full of bondage and sin. They're surrounded by these false gods and all these things are happening. So obviously they have to make leaven because like when you read later, the angel of death comes 
they say midnight, but basically it's supposed to just mean like the middle of the night and kills all of these babies and all of these animals. And it's just, they're abhorred. And the Egyptians are like, leave right away. Yeah. So obviously there's urgency to leave right away, but it's also like symbolizing that they're leaving all of this sin and this bondage behind. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Colin, did you want to say something? Oh, no, I was just going to say a little leaven uh, leavens the whole mass of dough. Or whatever, so it, it or um, but it was, it was. I was trying to find it where it was yeah. the reference where it's in Galatians, I guess, where Paul is talking about a little bit of sin, a little bit of a little bit of leaven, and ruins yeah. the whole lump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, to the importance of Christ, that He was completely without leaven, yeah. completely without sin, not a speck, um, mm -hmm. to be God's you know, perfection. You know. Yeah, and also like something they specially they did at that time is in verse 8 it says that you know they shall eat the flesh on that night roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it and so you have like those bitter herbs which is supposed to be like representing them coming out of this bondage and like this bitter thing that's been in their mouth and this is like the last time they're going to taste it and kind of leave which is kind of kind of cool symbolism you're leaving behind this bitter Pass to now walk with Christ in a newness of life. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like something that I was reading about, like this lamb was like, was like their last thing before, like it, they're breaking their ties of bondage. Like this, this lamb was saving them from death, but it was also like breaking their ties of bondage from like the Egyptians and stuff. And like, that was like, Jesus is breaking our bondage to sin and stuff. Like, because of that, we're not bound to our sins now. Mm-hmm. It's just a very interesting thing, um, like in uh, in the in the Mosaic law, where we're commanded not to eat the blood of an animal. Also, I think it's through the Noahic covenant. He commands Noah not to eat of the blood of an animal, for the life is in the blood. Right? Mm -hmm. We know the atonement for sin is life. Right? And that's where we have our both our payment and our promise of eternal life through Jesus is His blood that was shed for us. But here very early on before even the complex sacrificial system is instituted before God hands that down from Moses like you can very clearly see God's wrath and he calls it the angel of destruction is passing over them right Passover because of the blood that's on the doors because blood has already been applied to pay for that so he's able to pass over it's not that it, God prayed Praise God, he is merciful, mm -hmm. but he is also just. And the mm -hmm. mercy comes in the fact that blood was applied for our sins and it was not our own. But make no mistake, the blood still had to be applied for that, even in their case, where they, I mean, it was a punishment upon the Egyptians, but blood still had to be shed for their atonement so he could even pass over them. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that's crazy that, like, he, the angel of death or whatever it was called mm -hmm. was coming and checking their doorpost basically then saying oh there is blood here mm -hmm. and like that's okay. basically what they're gonna it's gonna like happen to us is like oh it's the blood okay. of christ is like upon this person or like you know protecting this person yeah. whatever the symbolism you know is mm -hmm. and well it's like also interesting where the blood was put it was put on the sides of the door and over top nothing was put over the threshold because they weren't supposed to trample upon that life laid out for them they were not supposed to disregard it so it was put over the sides and on the top so that way they wouldn't walk over it kind of like in a way of honor and respect for that life and that blood 
poured out for them and for that protection. Hmm. That's interesting because I think you would want it to be a complete... It's not complete. It's not complete. <laughs> I mean, it is complete, but it's not, there's not, it's not all touching. I don't like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that there is a reason behind that, too. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, there's no reason. They just, they just didn't put it on the ground. They're too lazy, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, no. God was very specific, and it was yeah, all yeah. like. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was because of Moses' bad background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I can't bend over, so you guys don't have to either. <laughs> Another interesting point, um, verse 46, chapter 12. Um, and she is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very interesting thing. It's actually part of what's prophesied about Christ. We see that echoed again in Psalm 34, verse um, verse 20. Um, verse Verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all of his bones, bones, no, not one of them are broken. Um, which is actually echoed, I think, by John in his gospel. When they're up on the cross, Jesus and the two other um, thieves, they're supposed. Um, they're, it's, it's Passover, and it's not fitting for them. But the Jewish leaders are having a little fit because it's not fitting for them to be hanging dead overnight. Mm-hmm. Into, into the Feast of the Unleavened Bread um, and during the Passover feast. Um, so they go to break the... Um, their legs. Break their legs, yeah. Um, and they break the other two's legs and they someone stops them before they get to Jesus and they say, check if he's dead because he's already cried, my, father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I mean, we read that it says he gives up his spirit. Um, so they go and they check him and they, you know, they pierce his side and uh, blood and water flow out signifying that he's dead mm-hmm. um, and so none of his bones are broken and I mean it's it was uh, it, it, crucifixion was a long ordeal it was mm-hmm. to go on for days you basically died of suffocation um, on the cross being you know pecked apart by birds and something so it was it was an act of mercy to break their the legs. legs and mm-hmm. um, we, we have the account there that I mean sovereignly his legs were not broken none of his bones were broken Mm-hmm. Um, when he was laid in the tomb which is so cool because like normally in crucifixion especially if they're trying to speed it up because they're having mm-hmm. this holiday and on the first day in the last day of the feast of unleavened bread they're a holy convocation are basically like they're a special sabbath so they're not supposed to work on these days mm-hmm. so it's like even more offensive that dead bodies would be hung and like the jews want to quickly put away with these bodies so that way mm-hmm. they can be clean and celebrate the feasts yeah. And so, like, it would be so easy for them to break Jesus' legs, you know, if they didn't, like, take the time to check. Mm -hmm. And you can also see it, like, in Exodus itself, God is very specific in, like, how they even cook the lamb. Mm -hmm. He says, like, not to boil it or... I can't remember what that everything was. But they're supposed to roast it whole Mm -hmm. over the fire because normally when they would boil the lamb, they would, like break up the bones so that way they could kind of like fit it all in one Mm. pot and to boil it up but god's very specific in how he wants this lamb cooked because he doesn't want any of the bones to be broken he wants it to remain intact he doesn't want them to lose this symbol that someone's going to come save them there's a life laid out for them and none of its bones are broken Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy like how like 
for whatever reason, these like little detail, details are like important and like they're like cat like these little things that are like foretold in Exodus like thousands of years before and Jesus fulfills them like even without like his control like you know like entering Jerusalem um, four days before the Passover like being that lamb that is coming into the house at that time like he had control over that but here he's dead he has no control yeah. like oh are they gonna break my bones I can't just be like excuse me please don't break my bones like he's Praise already God, dead Jesus is controlling when he was dead <laughs> like yeah so it wasn't just Jesus trying to fulfill these prophecies, like, as a person. Like, it was God mm-hmm. filling them. The hand of God working it out. Mm-hmm. Another another piece here that we see kind of correlating and tying into uh, the gospel account is, um, uh, starts there in verse 12. Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, Go take for yourselves the lambs according to your families and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood which is in the basin to the lintel of your doorposts and none of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning. So he mentions there a bunch of hyssop. It's uh, it's an herb or a leafy bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see in John 19, where is it? 29, um, a jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. It's just very interesting that the the very same um, plant that they're using to paint the doorposts is the same that they're feeding Jesus his his sour wine. Um, That's so crazy. Like just, the, the intricate details that like are minute. That like I don't I don't like details. I do not care about details. I'm like it's good <laughs> enough. The big picture yeah. is there. But like God like is like no, even down to the hyssop branch. Like mm-hmm. That's so crazy. Yeah. Just so totally showing that he was in control of every bit, and every bit of it was to fulfill what had been prophesied. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these, like, little tiny things, like, you know, like, the leaven, and, like, um, and it not being on the bottom, like, they have, like, significance, too. Like, it's not just, like, for no reason. Like, I don't know if they're significant behind the hyssop branch or if it all does, but, like, oh... Oh, I know the answer to that. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> but it, but just to finish the thought though, it's just like crazy that like the little details matter and they have meaning. Like, mm-hmm. and well, like the hyssop was like especially used in like the Levitical laws and the Messianic laws for purification. So like God ordained them to use this plant that is used for purification, dip it in the blood of this lamb, which is supposed to sacri- represent its life, and cover their doorposts, kind of like a representative. This pure life is going to purify you. You know that branch is used to purify them, so that way they're set apart and they're not—they're not killed. You know that God does pass over them, so like there's even meaning in that that this hyssop and this blood is used to purify them, so that way they're not condemned and they don't die in their sins. So like God's like, not only am I going to have all these little details that transcend, but they're going to have multiple meanings and layers of depth. It's so crazy. The Bible has so like much like layers and meaning and all these things. It was it was it was interesting. I was talking with um, a man and he was uh, of Jewish descent. He's a Christian um, and he leads a Passover seder. That's what they call their big ceremonial feast, the meal. Um, he leads one at his church. Um, I think every year. But he was he was telling us again part of the. Thing that they do is 
is they'll take a matzah, which is their flatbread, their bread without the lemon, and they'll break it into three portions, and then they'll take one of those pieces and go hide it somewhere in the house, right? And it stays hidden for the duration of the Passover feast. And then at the end of it, all of the kids go and try to find that, um, and it's rejoiced when it's brought back and then it's joined back up with the other two on the plate, um, which is just because, which is just such a, a, a cool thing to point to because um, Trinitarian concepts are not mainline in um, Jewish orthodoxies. Um, and just to, just to see, again, that typology of one piece of bread broken into three, a piece is gone for a little bit, is, is doing something else and separate and then brought back in with the other two and in such rejoicing was just a really cool thing to see. Um, you know, it might not be acknowledged in through Judaism, but we have the same God, the same God that wrote mm-hmm. the first books of the Bible also wrote the second books of the Bible. And to see just a mainline... Um, yeah, that's cool. Just through it all, yeah. It's also cool because, like, the bread is missing for three days. Like, Jesus was in the grave for mm-hmm. three days. And then the looking for it, because they're like, well, where is Jesus? And then the rejoicing when he's mm-hmm. found. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's so crazy that, like, you know, like, they obviously didn't have their whole sacrificial system set in place. And, like, when you look at that, like, that's kind of obvious to see how it points towards Jesus. But, like, I don't know how many people often talk about how, like, Jesus was also, like, that Passover lamb Mm -hmm. and how Passover itself was pointing to Jesus. So, like, right away, like, God's, like, he's bringing them out of this place of, like, despair and bondage and sin and all of these bad things. And right away, he's trying to point them to himself and to this sacrifice that he's about to do for them. And it's kind of cool when you think about it, like, this first Passover, it was different than the rest. You know, it was more open for other people to be kept. But afterwards, you know, like, if you weren't an Israelite, if you weren't walking with God, if you hadn't been assimilated into their culture, then you weren't allowed to keep it because it was supposed to be about that continuously walking with God. It was supposed to be a special day to see in his presence and to see these promises filled out. It's also interesting, like, like, they're doing it, like, as foreshadowing. Like, in, like, all of our celebrations, like, our major ones that we celebrate now they're all like this event already happened like my birthday not you know i already was birthed <laughs> um were you we don't really i mean i guess you do baby showers and stuff but the baby's already conceived too like sure. like but our events are like oh this event has happened let us celebrate like oh, independence day yeah. like fourth of july thanksgiving um you know, even Christmas and Easter in honor of, like, birth and death of mm-hmm. Jesus and stuff. It's all, this has happened. But, like, their their celebration is, this will happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether they were knowing it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does make me kind of wonder that, like, if, if the high priests or, like, if the people could see that Jesus was fulfilling these things if they noted the significance of him coming in on Jerusalem on the 10th day, if they looked at their up into the sky or whatever and realized he's dying at the same time as the Passover lamb, like, mm-hmm. did they realize what was going on? Because, like, you would almost think that they would because they probably celebrated Passover, you know, 20, 30 times. Mm-hmm. This was something well familiar to them. And did they, like, realize the importance of what was happening that day? Well, people definitely realized it later because they made sure to <laughs> put the details down. Yeah. That like, 
Let the hyssop branch. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to be like, that's a cedar tree or that's a red fir. (laughs) And they took a stick. Yeah. (laughs) It was brown. (laughs) Just another interesting thing I found towards um, the end of the chapter, um, verse 41. And to the end of and to the end, 430 years to the very day, all of the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It's not entirely typology of Christ, but it's very, very specific here to the day. And he, the Lord, Lord promised Joseph, you'll dwell in this land for this many generations, you know. Mm-hmm. And to have it be 430 years to the very day wow. is so powerful to when they exited Israel and he said like I, br- I bring you in here a small remnant I, I will make you leave as a nation and it's, it's crazy after this horrible thing happened they I mean they drove them out and they went and they they took I mean they were given the Egyptians gave them articles of glow, gold silver clothing everything I mean when they went and they assembled the, um, the the tabernacle it says they used porpoise skins and all these beautiful ornate things like the Lord bless them with this wealth and inheritance that they didn't have because they were slaves among the people of Egypt. As they went out, he blessed them in it and they were able to, I mean, make the first tabernacle, make, well, first their silly golden calf, but eventually the Ark of the Covenant and and lay all these things for God's glory. He has well raised in them wealth as he's sending them into their promised land as well, which they're not going to get to for a little while. He's showing them a little bit of his promise saying like, see, I'm here to prosper you. I'm here mm. to bring you out. And I'm not, not bringing you out in this wilderness just to kill you regardless of what <laughs> regardless you might think about it. Regardless of belief. Yeah. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, oh I like what you say about like how like to the very day it's like 400 years. And um, I just really like that a lot because I was just reading something last night just about the, like the power of the word of God. Like, you know, it talks about like in Genesis, like God spoke and it was like God's word brings creation. God's words brings into existence and not always in that moment, but like it will happen because God has said it. And like, that's the same thing he said to the people coming into Egypt. I will bring you out. And in that moment, you know, that existence was created like that was going to happen. And then God did that to the very day. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just like God's timetable is always perfect. Like Jesus was born at the right time. You know, he grew to a certain age. He started his ministry and like he died. Like even like the hour with which he died was like the right timing. Like God is just perfectly orchestrating. Like even time is not an issue with him. You know, like 430 years to the day, no problem. Jesus dying on the exact hour when he's supposed to, no problem. Like almost like God's in control or something. What? <laughs> what a crazy thought. <laughs> that God is actually God? Whoa. Yeah, well, hang on. Whoa, weird. Whoa, whoa. I don't know if we can be putting this kind of stuff online. <laughs> People might start to think we're just crazy Christians or something. <laughs> but also just like, we also see that, in that, like, that he's keeping the promises. Even mm-hmm. like the little details. Yeah. Like crazy, because like I mean, if you tell me something's gonna happen forty years from now on the day, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm probably not gonna keep track if it's to the day. Mm-hmm. Like maybe just to be like prove you wrong. <laughs> but like I'm not gonna care if it happens ten days later than the day or ten sure. days earlier. But, Much mm-hmm. less have it be four hundred and thirty years to the very day. I'm not even alive, but I'm here. <laughs> Multiple generations have yeah. come and gone. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. It is very crazy. And, like, 
it's something also that was kind of like special about the Passover lamb. And it says in verse 10 is that you shall let none of it remain until morning and what remains in it until morning you shall burn with fire. So like kind of going back to Jesus' crucifixion, like he wasn't left upon that cross. Mm-hmm. And like when you look at normal crucifixion, like Josh is saying, it will go on for days. Like sometimes it's like a three, four day event where they just hang there. They're That's dying. Cool. It's... It's not pretty. It was very common for them to be left out. But, you know, not only was he taken down early, I mean, he was. And none of his bones were broken to speed up that death. And they took him down before night fell. And they had his body buried away. Like, they didn't leave him out as a spectacle. Just like the lamb was supposed to be gone by the time the morning rise, Jesus' body was buried and in the tomb. It wasn't just left out to be eaten by the crows. And just like the lamb, like there was a lot of care for the body of the lamb. There's a lot of care for the body of Jesus. Like, even if it wasn't intentional by the Jews and the Romans as they tried to break his legs and stuff, but there was a lot of care that went into the body. Like you're saying, to make sure the crows and birds weren't eating it or to make sure legs weren't broken. Mm-hmm. And like, and I mean, even to be laid in a tomb of freshly hewn stone, like, wasn't uncommon for there to be like an ancestral tomb or something like that and you just really hope that the last guy you put in there was pretty well rotted away before the next guy had to go in but like i mean like touching (laughs) touching something dead was unclean Mm -hmm. ceremonially ceremonially unclean much much less you know physically unclean as well um but to have jesus be laid in a fresh tomb of freshly hewn stone where no one else had been laid before um it shows like he was he was even being clean. He was even clean and presentable. Like in, in, in his death and his burial, he was not defiling himself. As he was taking on all of our mm. sin, being mm. sin in our stead, he himself was not unclean. He was not defiled. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. so crazy. Even in his death. And you wouldn't think that's important because he's dead. So now he is the unclean object itself. <laughs> the unclean object was not made unclean. <laughs> it seems like a little juxtaposition there. I mean, he touched lepers, and, and, and he was the one healing them. They weren't True. making him unclean. True. He, was, he was so clean, he yeah, cleaned them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Goes back to my initial analogy of the bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to Josh's episode, you catch the reference. <laughs> <laughs> Shameless plug. <laughs> you like it. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we are at about almost 40 minutes. Um... So look at us go. Um, does anybody have any kind of thoughts they kind of want to wrap up with? Yeah. And so obviously Jesus died and he was that perfect Passover lamb. He took all the sins of these people upon it in his blood. And filled all the little details. Fulfilled all these little details. And, you know, his blood was used, like the hispus plant, to purify us. And so we see all of these details about Passover being fulfilled. And it's where, like type meets anti-type like this was all pointing to jesus and now jesus has lived it out and he's fulfilled it so there's no more reason to keep going back and sacrificing these lambs because the ultimate lamb came and it died and he died and he fulfilled all of these prophecies now he's covered us with his blood so that way you know when death comes it's not permanent it passes over us and we get to go to heaven and you know jesus fulfilled that he was this perfect Passover lamb, so we need, we don't have to go back anymore to these old ways of life. 
Yeah, and kind of like how you were saying, uh, somebody was saying earlier about how, like, you know, the Pharisees, knowing all these signs and practicing all these million times, that was so that when Jesus came, you know, like, they would recognize him. Like, this whole Passover was to recognize the Son of God, which apparently they kind of failed in. <laughs> <laughs> and you now, like, we, we don't necessarily need to recognize that because it's happened. Like, we don't need to prepare to see it. Mm-hmm. I, know, I was gonna say I've I've taken part in a Passover Seder once. It was when I was really little, and I didn't by any chance understand the full meaning. And while we're not commanded to it, it's not a, a command of the Lord that we have to keep all of the feasts and festivals and stuff. Like think, especially with a Christian view on it, it's a super amazing and somber thing to do to realize like this was the tradition leading forward to Christ now we can look back on this saying see this is this is symbolism of Christ this is this is what happened this is all of the things that leading up to um, Christ's coming so yeah and to do it in a way to like mm-hmm. remember Christ like not yeah. to try and take the place of him because right. <laughs> not, not to not to achieve righteousness under the law because we know that's impossible but but to see this is the things in a in a small way you know like on the scale of a lamb rather than the scale mm-hmm. of a human but this is what jesus went through kind of yeah mm-hmm. it's very cool to realize just like how dangerous sin is and like the reality of like what a price really was paid for us like how much trouble mm-hmm. we really got ourselves into because then we can fully realize how great a savior we have that dug us out of this ditch mm-hmm. and like he fulfilled all of this and now we don't need to keep running back to that we don't need to hold on to these traditions and you know pray and hope that all the blood is over the top and over the sides but no we have that fulfillment in christ and Mm -hmm. he is here and he is now he has fulfilled that and if we're willing to accept him you know he'll take that branch of hispus or whatever and cover us with his blood Mm -hmm. and we no longer have to have that leaven of sin and remember those bitter herbs of the sorrow and the life that we lived before him Anyways, no, I think that that's a lot of, like, good things. Like, a lot of just starting to think about, like, I don't know, kind of, like, all the things in the Old Testament and how, like, a lot of it is symbol and symbolic of, like, Jesus and stuff. And there's a lot of, like, value in, like, looking at the Old Testament and the New Testament, like, both together and stuff. But, I don't know, it's definitely interesting to look and see about the Passover and stuff. So, thank you, everybody, for joining our little conversation about the Passover um so yeah thank you everybody and tune in next week to hear more um bye if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget to follow share like and review also you can contact us at our facebook page that is god is real god is good podcast or you can email us at god is real god is good podcast at gmail.com bye